On this episode, we'll finish our discussion on reducing patient safety indicators. I'm your host, Dr. Tomas Villanueva, Senior Principal of Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. Joining me again is Dr. Dev Manuro, Rachel Lake, and Dr. Khalid Zaraki, who tell us of the results of their program to reduce PSIs at Sanford Health in Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to be back. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. So we at Busy and find most organizations struggle with loop closure and attaining insights when it comes to their PI or QI activities. Did you use data or dashboard to accomplish this? Yeah, I can take that question to start. So I mentioned attending department meetings at quarterly intervals, whether it be general surgery or surgical operations to gather kind of a broader audience. But we have those standing topics of patient safety indicators and our Vizient performance. And that's really what we do to share these initiatives. And so we share the Vizient CDB data and created our own dashboard to show how we compare to that top decile of AMCs. We know that competition is healthy and that we've got to get better and we've got to do it for our patients. So this is kind of one easy visual view to do that. This allows us to explore the areas for opportunity as a team, allow for questions, and keep it conversational as we're presenting the data. And it also allows us to provide updates on interventions implemented and their effectiveness thus far. I'll give a quick example. We had done a targeted project to reduce iatrogenic pneumothoraxes with keel feed placement by nursing in the ICU. And so being able to show at a starting position two years ago where we were, then after moving to a different process, a two-step x-ray process and a new product, how we've been able to go 14 months without one. So they're able to see that in the data based on the PI and QI activities that they helped lead. We also share this data with board of directors and quality subcommittee of the board at intervals. So that keeps us accountable equally. Further on, we share this data with graduate medical education teams because most of the times we go to these teams to tell them what they're supposed to do or why they're supposed to do. But that follow-up at intervals would help them continue the best practice and the engagement with us. And we're always open to change because the process of establishing feedback loops is where nurse leaders and physicians can provide input on the effectiveness of what you're doing and suggest areas for improvement. So we're always prepared to adapt and adjust the collaboration as needed, keeping in mind that healthcare environments are dynamic and strategies might need to evolve over time. The most important thing is the patient's best interest. We keep it at the center of the collaboration and we emphasize on the importance of improving patient outcomes and safety. That's the major goal here. Wow. You want to talk about best practice. So you came up with the why and let people understand the why. Then you had a measure or you're using consistent means of rounding and facing clinicians to actually tell them the process around it. Then you actually had a visual dashboard that you could use to not only set metrics, but also hopefully train those metrics. And then you had a feedback loop. You're absolutely right, Casey. Sometimes we may not have it the right way in the beginning. And some of the best things that's ever happened in my career started with, hey, Tom, what if? So I'm excited because truth is that you're putting the ingredients to the perfect process here. So Rachel, can you tell us about the results? Yeah, absolutely. So earlier in the podcast, I had mentioned that our wake up call was our rank of 87 out of 101 in that safety domain. And so we, with all this work, had been able to see a 45% reduction in PSI events achieved from 2021 to 2022, really indicating a safer hospital environment and reduction to harm to our patients. So that improvement translated to a ranking of 36 out of 107 and an estimated cost avoidance of $1.4 million in addition to not taking that CMS HACRP penalty for the first time in many years. And so finally, looking forward to 2023 with our most recent annual Q&A Vizient results, we were able to achieve a safety domain ranking of four out of 116 academic medical centers and about a $700,000 cost avoidance with those indicators that we were able to avoid. 
since we've gone through this journey in your discussion, any specific lessons learned? Absolutely, Tom. I think the first lesson we learned is having a nurse reviewer and a physician collaborator are foundation elements. I think without that first step, it's hard to go down the pathway. Subsequently, we've now understood that having a surgical clinician who is well-rounded around PSI work is also important because without them, it's not just being able to review the PSIs, but it's also the engagement, the connection, the review process, all of these things matter. And having a surgical quality officer or a surgical physician counterpart is important. Contacts in CDI coding, health information management teams, is critical to the success of this project. Realization of the limited understanding of PSIs amongst clinicians, you cannot undermine that fact. That's very important. Education is high priority. It should include medical students, residents, fellows, nurses, physicians, locums, particularly if you don't think locums are a key piece. That's not true. Support clinicians in a non-punitive fashion. Positive intent is the main mantra. Documentation improvement allowed accurate capture of events. And best practices developed through this journey helped us further reduce the number of PSI occurrences in the institution. That's amazing. And particularly since you guys didn't diminish any particular stakeholders, you engaged them all. KZ, I'm curious, any lessons learned on your part? The thing that surprised me and Rachel the most is what happens after we send the letters to the physicians. There was a lot of defensiveness that we have to explain to them multiple times that this is not punitive and we are trying to let you know what happened. On the other hand, the results speak to themselves. When the physician is aware that there is some kind of accountability, there is some kind of monitoring, there is some kind of process, a quality process going on, there is like a certain positive feedback loop that results in better outcomes for some reason. It's a nature of surgeons. If we know that there is some oversight, then they will be more careful in their decision-making in the operating room and what they are doing. So that's what I have noticed in the past few months. Despite the hidden anger when they get that letter, but at the end of the day, we have better results and we have better care and we have better outcomes. Wow, you want to talk about best practice again. So you stated it very clearly. It's very common among our colleagues that you'll get some defensiveness that goes on with this. But once you started showing that there was a feedback loop and truth is you started developing a culture of trust, then the end result is exactly what you expected. And you should expect some of these areas or some of these pressures to occur. I wasn't expecting no pushback, but sometimes a little bit more than we expect, but no big deal. We're used to it. Yeah, and Tom, I'd like to add a little bit on KZ's statement. Please. We've been sending these letters since 2021. And I can tell you, we've probably sent more than 100 plus letters in the last few years, give or take. And we've had clinicians come back with questions on these letters as soon as we that letter goes out. Uh-huh. And the way we have approached it is that's a good sign of engagement, right? Yes. You're having someone actually read that letter and come back with their side of the story. And then when that comes to us, the way we have approached it is, again, a non-punitive way. Our first line to respond is, thank you for the engagement. We appreciate you coming back to us. This is what we saw, and this is what we thought was probably a better way. But ultimately, you are the final frontline physician. What you decide is the right thing. So we, again, put it back into their court. So that helped us a lot. We've had multiple times where the chief medical officer also had to pitch in to support the letter. And that's where the executive leadership team engagement is important. 
So that was a good point, Casey. And the name of the CMO is on the letter. So the letter includes my name, the CMO name, and Dev's name. That's amazing. Yeah. So now that you've done this in your particular hospital, how do you take this to scale? Yeah, I can take that one to start. So just with our leadership teams collaborating with the regional CDI and quality teams, really working to make this a standardized process throughout our enterprise has been kind of a good next step. And then from kind of a national or larger perspective, I also participate in a PSI collaborative group that's led by Emily Ramirez from Rush University, where we have over 25 different hospitals join across the nation. And we meet monthly to discuss key PSI reduction strategies. People put in questions and we discuss as a large group. So there's usually over 50 people on that call. We learn from each other. We also elevate items to AHRQ support for consideration of review when they're updating their measure specifications. So knowing that something is an issue of maybe how the specs is written, not only in your hospital, but in 15 other hospitals really helps boost some leverage when it comes to advocating for a change. Yeah, I think we're fortunate to present on this nationally recognized podcast, Tom. We'd like to thank you and the whole team for giving us this opportunity. This is another way to scale the work further for patient safety. Thank you for that. So as you mentioned, Casey, as the surgical quality officer, how will you expand your role in expanding this kind of work? So going back to some elements in the speed of trust. Uh-huh. So our organization selected the SQO, the surgical quality officer, based on the American College of Surgeons recommendations for selection criteria. So this surgeon should be an experienced clinician with a history of directorship at the institution and a tenure of at least five years in the hospital. So I have been, for example, involved in moderating general surgery peer review for seven years at Sanford and have been the secure director during that time. So the quality teams can use this expertise to identify areas of improvement and surgical complications during the discussion of PSI identifying the PSI that are preventable and establish feedback loop to gather input and insights from clinical staff regarding the effectiveness of PSI reduction strategies. So furthermore, the surgical quality officer should ensure that the organization complies with PSI reporting requirements as the ultimate goal is to reduce the likelihood of recurrence. So this is how my role can add to this work and hopefully get us better results. The enterprise is also looking to invest on these roles as we scale up, and we're looking to standardize the process across the enterprise. So we're hoping we'll have much more impactful results across all our institutions in the coming years. Any final thoughts? Tom, I think keeping it short, I would say executive leadership support in a non-punitive fashion is vital. That's the key. The second piece is having that nurse PSI reviewer and quality physician advisor partnership. Education of all clinicians is, like I said, you can undermine that education piece. People think leadership is not education, but I tell you, education is leadership. You treat and you educate, then obviously the behaviors in your department will be different. So I don't know how much more I can tell on this, but I feel that's important and collaboration is the key for long-term sustainment. Casey? Dev summarized it best. I don't think I can add anything more. How about you, Rachel? Any final thoughts? I would agree. I think I appreciate the teamwork and assuming positive intent with all conversations, even amongst our team, just knowing that we're all learning, whether it be about specification or about the nature of a surgical case. I think it's really improved all of us. Everyone, thank you so much for telling us about this fantastic story over the past few weeks. 
And to our listeners, you can contact the Tamford team at their email addresses in the research section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast at vizianinc.com. We've also posted a link in our research section as well. And please join us for other modern practice podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tomas Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.